This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hi, my name is Derek D, and I'm one of the hosts of the Dealer News Today podcast, one of the most popular shows in the automotive industry. Today, we continue with Novel Thinking, our five-part series of special partner shows featuring Cox Automotive's Randy Kobat. Randy will be interviewing dealers that are making big moves in the industry, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say. So, let's get to it. Welcome to today's episode of V-Auto's Novel Thinking Podcast Series. I'm Randy Kobat with Cox Automotive, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is Jake Sotokoff, dealer principal with Stephen Nissan in Harrisonburg, Virginia. As a board member of the Virginia Auto Dealers Association and the chairman of the NCM Velocity 20 Group, Jake has a great perspective on the automotive industry. We previously spoke with Jake at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic on used vehicle inventory, cost-to-market position, and retail sales during all the uncertainty we were facing. At the beginning of the shutdown, Jake's team placed a strong value in used vehicles and was ahead of the curve in providing at-home services to customers. As the pandemic continued to impact our daily lives, Jake and his team are remaining competitive through finding innovative ways to best serve their customers and move vehicle inventory. Jake, thanks very much for joining us for the podcast today. How you been? Uh, everything's been great. How are you, Randy? Very, very good. I, you know, the last time we spoke, um, you invited me to Virginia for some grilling tips and a nice meal, and I still haven't had an opportunity to take you up on that given everything that we've gone through. But I hopefully in 2021, we'll get a chance to do that. Yeah, well, there was plenty of that to be had with all the quarantining and stay at home. So I bet. I bet. <laughs> you missed a lot of good opportunities. Yep, I sure did. I'm sure. Um, so, Jake, the last time we spoke, you know, you noted that um, your store um, was about two to one ratio um, used to new and that you're you know, pretty focused on, on used cars as a store. So have these numbers changed um, over the last nine months or so? Uh, you know, we're still two to one. We did have some months that we were over two to one uh, based on the new volume uh, availability and things like that. So uh, mm -hmm. we're still really focused on used cars, still cranking out a bunch of used. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild used car year. Yeah, it sure has. You know, one of the things that was really interesting when we spoke last was you know, you mentioned that you were really focused on a strategy around liquidating your inventory. You really wanted to move as many units out as you possibly could to hedge your losses. Um, has this strategy changed since we last spoke? You know, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I would say it has changed. We are no longer in liquidation mode. Um, and, you know, I'll touch on the, the liquidation Mm -hmm. I spoke with I spoke with you. I spoke with a lot of dealers about the strategy, and at the time, it was working phenomenal because, as you know, the the wholesale prices just dropped. I mean, the, the bottom fell out of the wholesale, and they were trading for around eighty five percent Mannheim retention report. And that liquidation strategy, I didn't know it at the time, but allowed us to go back into the market and buy at the new lows. Mm -hmm. uh, and so shortly thereafter, the market started climbing back up and we owned a lot of this inventory at a very low price, which really helped the profitability um, for, for those few months. 
And then, as you know, inventory on the use side got really tight and the prices went back through the roof. So there, <laughs> there wasn't any liquidation to be had uh, sure. in that regard because, you know, it, we went from paying extremely low to extremely high prices. Um, so that made it pretty tough and made it less advantageous to have lower prices because of that uh, high demand and low supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I did hear that myself from other dealers as I was doing additional podcasts uh, after our discussion um, by moving out the inventory that you had you know, prior to March 15th, say, um, you were really able to go in and, and get some uh, good quality inventory at real low price to market, cost to market, and um, you know, improve your profitability that way. So yeah, it, 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 it was it probably the most fun out. that I ever actually had in the car business. You know, I, <laughs> I, I put my buyer hat on and it was like, uh, you know, you could go and pick whatever cars you wanted. And uh, it was a lot of fun. The inventory at, at those months, the inventory was never better. We had phenomenal inventory. Yeah, absolutely. You also mentioned back then, um, you know, you were pretty heavily discounting cars, five to eight points uh, price to mar- below price to market. Um, and so how has that changed over the last several months? Well, over the last several months, we've, we've experienced a softening in the market uh, in quarter four. Mm-hmm. Quarter four was, was fairly tough compared to two and three. Um, <clears throat> so at one point, quarters two and three, our prices were at all time time high um you know we were well above where we'd ever priced our vehicles and we were still turning them very quickly mm-hmm. um, so we started feeling some of that slow down october november which put us back on our heels and, and made us uh drop those prices again um which didn't seem to have the same kind of reaction that we would have liked to our turn slowed down to the lowest it'd been all year long. Got it. You know, you, you had mentioned that, um, you know, you, at the time you had smaller staff, you were delivering cars all over the area. Um, at home delivery was, was something that was pretty popular. Um, even delivering some cars out of state. Has this continued over the last several months? It has. Uh, it's been it's been a theme of the year. It, as we discussed in the last podcast, it was something that we actually were planning on working on for 2020, anyways. Sure. Uh, so we had started in January, and uh, it only picked up steam. And during some of the months of the year, we delivered as much as a third of our vehicles offsite. Wow. And, you know, with the small staff and delivering vehicles. You know, the furthest that we delivered a vehicle was to Boston um, from Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts wreaking a little bit of havoc. <laughs> you know, people, people get fatigued. People are working long hours. People are going into the evenings and taking their own time um, to deliver the vehicle sometimes. And we continue to do it, but it does put some heavy stresses on the staff. And you know, I've been blown away by the effort that uh, my whole team has has put and you know some of the initiative that these guys have taken is just phenomenal and um you know it really does make for satisfied customers 
they they've been very appreciative of the efforts as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they are. Uh, given what we've gone through and the ability to get a car delivered to your house is is pretty excellent service, right? Yeah, and but I will say, we want to get better, um, and and I'm awaiting some ideas and solutions for how we can better streamline the delivery because I know that the demand is there and we continue to want to grow it. Um, but there's some logistical challenges that, that not only we face, but I feel that a lot of dealers that are dipping their toe into this are facing. Right. So some sort of service that would support delivery logistically, is that what you're looking for or what kind of what solutions yeah. are you trying to find? That <clears throat> I don't know if it's a service or a better process, um, but these, these deliveries can happen sporadically. It seems like, you know, the, the demand from the customers, they want it same day. And uh, so it doesn't mm. always work to arrange transportation, set up an appointment and all that kind of stuff that can be uh, a little bit more challenging. So um, yeah, there's, there's some challenges that we face and processes that we need to dial in for this year to be able to do it more frequently. That's interesting. That's great. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think you touched on it a little bit um, as, uh, you know, as, as we've been chatting here about, the value of, of a trade, um, you know, back in March when we spoke, boy, it was really murky, right? You were trying to look into a crystal ball that was really hazy. Um, so how has that changed over the last several months to, you know, put a number on a car when you're valuing a trade? Um, has it become, you know, kind of back to normal or still ambiguous? It is, it's more normal than, than, uh, we were dealing with and so we really don't have a problem with it anymore it's not it's not so touch and go you know the the auctions have been fairly consistent even though there's a lot of uh tumultuous activities going on with you know the political climate and everything else uh, it seems like the used car uh values are remaining strong so we've been confident um you know the biggest challenge with it and the ambiguity now comes from appraising vehicles that we never actually get a chance to see. So doing the offsite deliveries and site unseen appraisals, mm -hmm. that's where the ambiguity comes from. And that's where we've been seeing the biggest challenge within the store. Sure. So how have you tried to tackle that site unseen appraisal process? We try to get as much information from the customers as we possibly can. Uh, ideally we'll get some pictures um, <clears throat> and, and that helps but you know, the real places that you get burned on doing an appraisal generally isn't going to be the body. It's going to be the transmission or the engine and, and things of that nature. So we've had a few instances where things don't pan out as good as we had hoped. Uh, there's been a few instances where it's panned out better. And uh, you know, the best way for us that we've found is just by getting as much information up front. If we can do a, a FaceTime or a uh, video conference with the customer to actually go over their trade that's preferred but not all the customers are willing to do that so right uh, yeah yeah that's interesting I, I appreciate the feedback because that is something that is more prevalent today than ever doing a sight unseen appraisal and and being able to to put a a number on a car and not get burned to your point yeah and and we we do our best to track it you know we use uh, the v auto tool and we use our sources to 
track a site unseen appraisal. And then we also track it when that site unseen shows. So we can see what our conversion ratios are. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not, the look to book on the site unseen is not quite as strong as we would like it to be. Uh, and there's, a, there's still plenty of opportunity to get that processed out into. Yeah. Are you tracking expected recon versus actual recon on those as well? We do. And we, we try to be a little bit conservative, which I think may hurt our valuation sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I would, I would tell a customer it's in their, if they want all the money for the car, it's in their best interest to bring it in person. That way we can put all the money into it. Uh, Got it. But excellent. Yeah. It's interesting. So um, you've mentioned, you know, fourth quarter was a little bit more soft. Um, but, you know, I'm sure you're still trying to uh, bring new inventory in, used inventory in. Um, so what is your strategy right now around inventory just generally? We have remained very disciplined with the amount of inventory new and used that we've taken. You know, granted, getting, getting new inventory is tough. So we've been taking what we can actually get. Um, but our inventory levels are still fairly low. You know, we're carrying about 80% of the inventory that we had last year. Mm -hmm. um, I know there are other, there's other manufacturers other than Nissan um, that are experiencing much tighter inventories. So we'll take all the new cars we can get. And on the use side of things, you know, I shared with you our um, rolling 30 uh, report that we use within V Auto. Yep. And we still try to keep within 10% uh, plus or minus of that. So, um, you know, right now we have about 75 used cars in stock. And so I'm, I'm comfortable having <clears throat> somewhere in the neighborhood of 80. Um, you know, if my, if my, if I'm selling 75 used cars, I'm comfortable having about 80 to 85 in stock. And that's what we've been trying to maintain. Um, and as the market picks up, we'll kind of ride that wave and continue to be efficient um, with our turn. Sure. And as far as auctions, <clears throat> would you say, are you participating more at auction about the same? Uh, about the same. We, we have put a large emphasis on private party acquisitions. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, a lot of people to keep up with um, some of the public groups they're really doing the same. You know, Carvana that one month had purchased 71,000 vehicles from private party. Right. Uh, so, you know, we, we've been on, we've been doing that for about five years. Um, and we continue to put a lot of resources behind it. We, we became a Kelly Blue Book ICO dealer this year. Um, and we've had good results with that too. We, we've been able to add some extra inventory and some unique inventory that we never would have seen before. So, um, you know, as much as we're going back into the auctions, we are sourcing from consumers as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, um, I'm also involved in the uh, instant cash offer business as well, along with Viato. And well, maybe um, you can give us some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I'm 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 happy to help in any way that I can. But we we see um, the desire for dealers like you to acquire cars directly from consumers more frequently and, um, and bringing the inventory management for, uh, platform from Viato together more closely with ICO 
so that, um, you know, it's more of a consistent process and, and it works together better. So um, I'm hoping you know, the that one, we'll see that. The one thing that's been amazing to me about the ICO process, and uh, are you familiar with the ICO missed trades report? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There isn't anything that makes me more sick than pulling up the ICO missed trade report. <laughs> I know you see a car that you had a chance to buy and it shows up in a dealership down the street. That's got to hurt. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, it, the thing that gives me confidence with ICO is that mistrade report because I pull it up and, you know, I hear all the stories about why we didn't get the trade or why we didn't get to purchase the car. Yep. And then you look at it and it's like, man, these people are actually in the market and they're transacting. These, these leads are transacting and it gives me yep. major and tremendous confidence that the leads are good. We just got to figure out a way to, to continue to grow that conversion for ourselves. Yep, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Nissan in, in the OEM inventory, you know, new, new inventory a little bit. You said they've been a little bit better than perhaps other OEMs. Um, or, you know, have you heard, are they 80% of capacity? I mean, any, any insight there? I, re I really don't know. Um, I can only compare it to our Toyota and Kia store. Mm -hmm. um, I know that Toyota has really been lean. I mean, they're carrying probably 40% of the inventory um, that they've traditionally been able to have. And the demand for the Toyota inventory is very, very strong. Most of the vehicles are still transacting at sticker, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't the same experience that we're seeing in the Nissan world. Right. You mentioned, um, you know, still, and, and maybe you were referring back to March, but are, are you still operating with a smaller staff today or have you kind of gone back to a more normal staff size or has, you know, digital retailing and delivering cars uh, directly to consumers affected the number of people you've at the store? Um, it's about the same. So we're, we're carrying about the same level of inventory that we had all of 2019. I mean, same level of employees that we had in 2019. So we haven't really intentionally reduced it. Um, and surprisingly, it's been very difficult to find um, high talented, high quality candidates to join our team, even though we've been having all the success that we've been having. Uh, so we wanna grow it and we're continually uh, recruiting so some of it isn't by choice. We just, we, we tend to be a little bit picky and uh, yeah, it's been tough to grow the team. Yeah. And that's fascinating. I've heard that from, from other dealers, finding good candidates is, is, is more of a challenge now than ever. And, and uh, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a good challenge to have because it's good for our economy to have more people employed than we might expect that are right now. Yeah, true. So you know, we're beginning 2021 here. It's January of 2021. Um, what what are some of your biggest takeaways from 2020 and all that we've gone through? Um, and uh, let's start there. I think that's a little bit of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, 2020 was a year-long learning experience. Uh, for me, it was a learning experience in crisis management, not knowing if we were going to get shut down, not knowing um, 
you know, all the uncertainty that we dealt with. Um, it also was a tremendous challenge in leadership. Mm -hmm. um, you know, making people feel safe, making people feel welcome to come to work, uh, making people feel like they were valued. You know, there was, there was times when all of the political and social unrest was happening and here we are at work and we're working harder than ever. And people were feeling a little bit unappreciated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was the leadership and the navigating the social aspects, you know, that was my biggest takeaway from 2020. The business, as much as it changed, it, it was still the same. We just had to deal with a little bit more temperate clients who um, you know wanted to feel safe when they came into the store wanted to make sure that people were respecting their uh, privacy and their distance and their health um, so yeah it's just a little bit tricky to to navigate all of those things but um, those were my biggest takeaways of 2020 yeah i would agree um i you know the economics of the business once we kind of got through that last week of march first week of april it rebounded quickly and um, from a blocking and tackling, selling, buying cars was, was fairly normal, I think. Um, and it was, you're, you're, to your point, a real test of leadership and uh, managing through uh, the challenges that the, uh, the health uh, pandemic uh, you know, presented as well as social unrest, political unrest. And uh, yeah, I, I, very, very well said. Very well said. What's what's your outlook for twenty twenty one? How do you how do you think uh, the first let's say quarter is going to be here? So we we had our quarterly leadership team meeting uh, yesterday. Actually, great, good timing for the question. Yeah, and you know, I opened the meeting by saying, <clears throat> I have no clue what twenty twenty one is going. I said, I I cannot predict what we have in store for us. But from the trend that I've seen and getting a new president, I'm hoping it's going to calm people down. Um, you know, the vaccine's on the horizon. There's more stimulus talk on the horizon. Mm -hmm. I think we could be in for a wild ride. I think 2021 could be phenomenal. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm very reluctant to come out and, and say that. Um, and I'm not always the most, uh, you know, optimistic kind of guy. So for me to say that, you know, I, I think that says something. So we'll see. Um, but I am, I'm encouraged by a lot of those things. And I'm hopeful that some of this political situation will calm down uh, starting next week or the week after. Yeah. I think we're all encouraged by, um, yeah, all, all that you mentioned. Um, and, and I too believe 2021 could be very strong. Um, but I, you know, I, I think we were thinking the same thing back in February of 2020 and you never know what might happen. Right. Yeah. You know, we were in the middle of, uh, a record breaking month in March, mid, -mar you know, the first two weeks of March were, we were on track to have our best month in company history. Uh, yep. so, to say that we would have predicted how the second half 
would have shaked out. Yeah, that that's really tough to tell. So, yeah. Well, Jake, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, it's I always learn a ton when I talk to you, and um, I'm grateful for the chance we've had to catch up here today. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with me, and you know, I'm optimistic that we can get together and have a little bit of a grilling session sometime this year and uh, hopefully there's going to be an opportunity we can get together and uh, you know talk business again too absolutely thanks jake have a great day that was jake sotokoff dealer principal with steven nissan in harrisonburg virginia many thanks for tuning in to the novel thinking podcast series today i'm randy kobat from cox automotive and we'll see you next time this is dealer news today 